Learn how to manage your energy and grow your capacity in 10 minutes a day. If you've ever heard me talk about energetic time management, it's the core skill that I teach all my clients. I created this over 10 years ago when I was in the middle of recovering from stage four cancer. I had to figure out how to work, how to parent and take care of myself. And that's how ETM or energetic time management was born. And for a limited time, I'm going to be giving it away. Yep, you heard me correctly. I'm giving the actual skill and the step-by-step away to you. My, it's my ETM habit challenge. So head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash E-T-M and use promo code podcast to get free access for a limited time. Are you a professional woman raising children looking to create a more sustainable lifestyle while also dreaming big and having the courage and confidence to follow through? I'm now accepting applications for our next cohort of my signature program called Mastery. Mastery is a program designed for women raising children who desire to live and parent on their own terms. These are women who think big. These are women who identify as the strong ones, the leaders, and they are so done playing small. Head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash mastery and get on the interest list so I can send you the application. Inside of mastery, you're going to learn things like how to manage your energy, not time, so you can get more done in less time. How to set healthy work and relationship boundaries so you feel respected, fulfilled, and alive. How to stop yelling. And we're also going to talk about advanced level emotional intelligence skills. Managing your fear, your guilt, and the judgment from others. Letting all of that go. We talk about navigating stress and burnout and how to avoid it in the future. The secret to developing healthy habits that actually stick. And how to have emotionally uncomfortable conversations with ease. I personally review each application to make sure that your vision and attitude are aligned with the courageous action takers that join my community. So if this is you and you're interested, head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash mastery. My last name is spelled C-H-A-U-V-I-N. And it's .com forward slash mastery, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y. And join our interest list today and we will send you the application as we are actively currently reading and accepting those applications for our next cohort. So get on over there. Do you ever have moments where you feel like life is just hitting you so hard and you don't it's not even that you question your ability to keep going but you actually truly believe in your bones that you're just not built that way that you are incapable of surviving or you are incapable of achieving a desired outcome that's what we're going to talk about today hello ladies so 
I'm back. And today I'm sharing my own personal reflection on this mountain that I climbed. It was an event called 29029 Everestine. You can go check it out online. Just Google 29029 Everestine. There are three founders. It's been around since like 2017, I think. And I'm not going to get into the history of this type of event. I'll probably tell you why I did it. Um, but the essence of this mountain is, or this event is 29029 is the elevation of Mount Everest, 29,029 feet. So when you are climbing Mount Everest, um, it's the, you know, you're like going up and I did not climb Mount Everest. I feel like there's a lot of confusion there. Um, but obviously, if you are taking on Everest, that's a whole other can of worms because of altitude, um, elevation and um, getting used to like, obviously, the weather and the temperature and all the things. And that's just like. That's days. That's like weeks. You're, this was a 36 hour event. So 29029 is they pick mountains. There's like maybe let's say five mountains. Um, there's one in Whistler. I attended the one in Utah. I believe there's one in Jackson Hole. Uh, there's another one. There's, there's, let's say five. Okay. Mine was called Snow Basin and it was in Utah. So based on the elevation of the mountain that I was climbing, we had to do it 13 times in a 36-hour period in order to climb the equivalent of 29029, which was the elevation of Mount Everest. So the event that I did, it was like you would go up the mountain and then you take a gondola down and the gondola was like a 15-minute ride down. And then you go up again. You take the gondola down, you go up again, and you had to do that 13 times in a 36-hour period. So we started on a Friday at 6 a.m., and the event was complete on Saturday at 6 p.m., so 36 hours. So we arrive on a Thursday. There's keynotes. There's, um, you know, speeches, uh, inspiring things. They're prepping you for the mountain. There's all these coaches. They're telling you nutrition, how you're going to fuel yourself, you know, how to pace yourself, the strategy, uh, the equipment that's needed. And most of the people attending this event have never done anything like this in their lives. It was 300 ish people. So here I am. And I brought Lisa. Lisa is a member of my team. And Lisa has been with me since the beginning for over 10 years. And I'm going to talk about Lisa. She would never come on this podcast because that's just not who Lisa is. She is incredibly, I call her a beast, but she is so powerful, um, but has absolutely no interest in being seen or a part of my brand. So I invited Lisa for a few reasons. One, because I just love her to pieces. Two, she's been there with me since the beginning. And three, um, you know, it was, it was a team leadership event. That's for sure. I don't think everyone on my team would do something like this, but it was definitely an emotionally uncomfortable leadership opportunity. So 
I introduced it to her like nine months ago when it came out. And I said, is this something you would do? And she actually said, yes. I didn't think she would say yes, but she said yes. So I got on the wait list. I registered for it. Like the day it came out, their marketing is exceptional. And I got two tickets and we were on our way. And Lisa started training. She followed the training plan. She did everything perfectly. And I did not because that's who I am. And that's our personalities. Um, I definitely went to the gym a lot, but I didn't follow the cardio on the training plan. Just totally fine. That wasn't my intention to go into it. So I'll talk about how I ended and how she ended, but that is the gist of this event, 29029. It's fully supported. They have, um, they have like coaches there. They have, uh, aid stations there. They have food for you. Like you really have to bring nothing. It was a glamping experience. So you arrive, there's a tent for you. Everything's set up. So it was, it was a pretty bougie experience. And why? Why would I do this to myself? You ask. I've had people do both things. One, someone's like, you actually paid for that? And then I would have people on the opposite end, which would be like, oh my God, that sounds so cool. I want to know more information. And I was actually at an event with Jesse Itzler last year. And I talked about it on the podcast previously when I went on this um, half marathon with my husband. And I think I interviewed him like back on another episode I talked about, um, I did this event called, uh, Hell on the Hill and it was half a marathon, um, up and down a hill. And then I did a full marathon. And it's funny because up until lately, I do not identify as an athlete. I never identified as an athlete when I was smaller. And I thought I just like doing this crazy shit because I'm so challenged in my life. Like I have experienced a lot of adversity. And I have had to face it head on, like not always having the privilege to avoid a lot of my uh, challenges because avoiding the challenges ended up being worst case scenario. And I didn't want that. So the last few years, I've experienced adversity just like anyone else. And I've had a lot of challenges, both personally and professionally. And what I've noticed is you can choose your challenge. You can choose to put yourself in emotionally uncomfortable situations to grow, like actively choose it. When you are in a healthy state in your life, like you can be thriving and you are purposely putting yourself in an emotionally uncomfortable situation so that you can grow. Or you can say, I can't do that. I'm not capable. My body isn't ready. I can't afford it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then slowly your life starts to deteriorate. Your physical, emotional, spiritual, financial life starts to deteriorate. And then eventually your life will just blow up in your face and you have no option but to face mountains. So. Clearly, you don't need to do 29029 if you are not, if you don't have a desire to. And, but there's many mountains. So I'm going to be referring to mountains today. And what I'm referring to is like, what is that thing that feels big and scary to you? So you either face your mountain and intentionally climb it one foot at at a time, or you avoid your mountain 
and you get a little, you know, you get a little comfort zone, you get your break, but a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, that mountain is just, you're not going to have an option. You're going to run out of smooth road and you're just going to have to go up that mountain. So it's either going to give it to you. You're either proactive in your life or you're going to be reactive. Back in the day, I lived my life in a survival state. I parented from a survival state. I ran my finances from a survival state. Uh, my health was in a survival state. I always felt like it was in this stress cycle. And then when I started looking around for help, everyone else was the exact same, like even my healthcare providers that I was seeking support from. And I thought, huh, interesting. I'm trying to figure out how to thrive and nobody can help me because all the physical adults around me, and I'm going back to like, you know, when I became a mom when I was 18, all the physical adults around me are in a survival state. Like I I didn't know the terminology back then, but I did notice the pattern. And I thought, interesting, if I want to thrive, how am I going to learn from people that are just surviving? So that's when I got into personal development. That's when I left my career as a social worker because I was sick of just rinse and repeating survival state conversations with people. And I was like, do you want to thrive or not? And I wanted to thrive. So I wanted to teach people how to have a lasting transformation. So I got into personal development. I started reading the books. I started understanding the law of attraction. I started understanding how to feel good. And then I noticed more patterns, right? More patterns when it came to how women specifically were living their lives and how women's raising children were living their lives and how it was culturally acceptable for women to not go after their goals because that was considered selfish. And I thought that's interesting because I'm a woman, I'm raising children and not considering my needs has ended me up with a diagnosis of cancer. Huh. Interesting. So if I continue to neglect myself, my mountain is going to be a diagnosis and fighting for my life. Why couldn't I just intentionally put mountains in front of me so I could challenge myself to become better every single day? So I didn't logically understand why culturally I was not allowed to feel good. So come to today, August of 2023. I sign up for this race. We're at this race and I'm excited. Uh, we arrive, we're both looking at each other. Like, what did we get ourselves into? Of course, you're all nervous and whatever, but I'm telling you right now, I'm looking around in this group and I'm thinking, these are my people. These are the types of people that I like to attract and I like to work with. And these are the people that are willing to be challenged, not people who are obsessed with their excuses and just like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. They're scared shitless, but they're doing it anyways. These are my people. They're challenged and they want to challenge themselves physically and emotionally. And some of these people were founders of products that I've used myself that I had no idea. Some of them, there was actually some influencers there that I followed on Instagram. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know you. I, I follow your, your, like I watch your content. Like it's really, really good. Thank you. Um, and it was really interesting to see these people in their humanness. So we start 29029. It's, 
It's 6 a.m. I made it to 10 out of 13, by the way. So I got 10 complete. I had to do three more in order to achieve the 29029. So I think I got to like 22 and change, and which is another mountain, by the way. And I don't even know which mountain it is. Going in, I was like, I'm getting this red hat. So when you achieve 29029, you get this red baseball cap. Like that's almost like their gold, their medal. You still get a medal, but you get this red baseball cap. And everyone wants the red baseball cap. You take it off a wall when you're on your 13th round. You see people walking around with this red baseball cap. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you did it. You did it. You did it. So I was going in and I'm like a little cocky. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I shouldn't say cocky. I was a little... My ego was like, I got this in the bag. I can do this. And I was probably deflecting a little bit. Who cares? But I was curious as to how I was going to respond if I actually didn't get the hat. (laughs) Like in my brain, I thought, if I actually don't get this hat, I bet you I'm going to be really disappointed in in myself because disappointment is typically my go-to when I don't achieve my desired outcome. So what did I do? Well, I continued on this journey. My first round of my hike was about an hour and 40 minutes. So I thought, man, if I just do this 13 times, I got this in the bag. Like I can totally do this. I'll be done by noon tomorrow. I'll go through the night. Well, I didn't take into consideration fatigue, right? So I'm going and I keep going and I keep going. And I think I was around three or four. I think it was around four. And I had to stop for dinner or a meal. And no, I think it was lunch. I had to stop for lunch. So every meal you could stop, you could go into the ski lodge, you can eat, but you got to be mindful of your time. Like it's not social time. You're in there to eat 20 minutes in and out, get back on that, on that hill, that mountain. So I get back on and number four is a slug. One, two, three, easy, easy, easy for me. Easy peasy. I was like, I got this. I can run up this freaking mountain. So my brain was a little like energized. I was excited. The adrenaline was going. After I ate, my body was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is this like, we're going to take a little bit to process this, to digest it. So I felt like I was slowing down a little bit. Like the fatigue was starting to kick in. So I got it done. I did four, five, six, and then I think dinner time. So dinner time rolls around and I'm doing seven and eight. And my time is getting longer and longer and longer. And my rounds now are like two hours, two and a half hours. And I keep doing this math in my head. And I'm like, okay, well, if I keep at this pace, I'm going to be okay. I can still get it done in time, but now I got to go through the night. So I'm strategizing in my mind of like, what can I do to win, right? How can I, how can I I always talk about how can I? So then round eight comes around and I am going through the night. I remember specifically though, I think it was round seven. Um, After seven, I'm like, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. Like I can't do any more today. But my time, it was about 1 a.m. I'm not going to get it done in time if I don't keep going. So my strategy was to continue going through the night without getting any sleep because I knew some people were doing that. And it was actually recommended to me multiple times to just go through the night and get it done. 
I was so tired. So I remember that night it was on round eight and I was with, I started hiking and it was like dark outside. We had um, our headsets on, like our headlamps on. And I was with this guy who just was struggling and he was walking towards me or like, and we started walking together and we were really, really slow. And I guarantee you, he, he actually, he dragged me down a little bit, not in the sense that he dragged me down, but I let myself be dragged down by him that I wasn't running my own race. I didn't pick up my pace. I really was, was trying to pace myself towards him. And we were getting each other up that mountain because I did not want to get up that mountain. So he was like my emotional support. And I think we got each other up the mountain. But towards the top, like I was really slowing down and he was really slowing down. His Achilles um, heel was uh, or his Achilles was like starting to tear or something. He's starting to re-injure an old injury and was really, really nervous that he was going to like, like ruin his, his feet. And it was interesting to watch because in that moment, you're faced with this fear, right? And the only way out is through. Like you can literally only walk up. If you stop and you ask for help, you've completely lost that whole round. And so he would sit down, he would take a break, and then he would keep going. And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, it's just starting to burn. It really, really hurts. And I'm like, okay, we have about 30 minutes left. We can do this. And as we kept slowly, slowly, slowly getting up, he was getting slower and slower and slower. But I didn't want to leave him behind because I didn't want to leave him in the in the dark by himself. And in hindsight, I could have probably let him sit in his own suffering and said, like, I got to keep going. But I probably felt a little um, responsible to get him up that hill because I didn't want to leave him alone. And we got towards the top. I could see the gondolas and he just kind of shut down. And I'm like, you got to get up. And he's like, I can't. And so I left him and I went and got a a medic. Like after I kind of crossed the line, I went and got a medic. And I said, you got to go check out that person. And I remember how guilty I felt leaving him. But I had to keep running my own race. And I think that itself was a metaphor for life of like how we are so afraid to leave people, right? Like literally afraid to leave people. And I know women are awful for this. So we dim ourselves. We slow down our pace and we're afraid to leave people behind. But we have to realize that everybody is literally running their own race and whatever they need to sit with, they need to sit with. But it was interesting in the moment because I wasn't consciously aware of that. This is only in reflection. But I remember observing people in around two or three, and I I could pick up on it, that they would physically slow down to pace themselves with somebody else and like wait for them. And I remember listening to one woman and, you know, you may think that's historic, um, heroic, not historic. But I remember talking to one woman and she said, yeah, I did two. I only got two rounds done because I was helping somebody on the mountain. And I thought that's what the coaches are for. That wasn't your job to rescue people on the mountain. Like people are going to drop like flies. It's you against you. It's a race. And so I was when I had energy, I was conscious of that. But when I got tired, 
I needed somebody else to get me up that mountain. And so this man at eight o'clock or the eighth round was that person for me. And I think I was that person for him. So in hindsight, could if I did it by myself, would I have been able to get up the mountain? Probably. But we were kind of both getting each other up the mountain. And so part of my strategy, if I did it again, is um, being okay being by myself or being okay to leave people behind when I feel like they are now slowing me down. Because I think part of that number eight would have been you know, we got each other halfway up the mountain and then I could have said goodbye. Um, Such a metaphor for life of like, there's seasons for everybody in our lives and like, they might just be there to get us halfway up a mountain. And we may feel like, okay, now I have to let you go. And we don't want to because it's emotionally uncomfortable. So, This is where it got real good. And this is where I want to give a huge shout out to Lisa because I would not be where I am today without her. I would not be who I am today without her. So I got back. I stopped running about 4.45 a.m. So be mindful at 6 a.m. on Friday until 4.45-ish, almost 5 a.m. on Saturday. So I, at this point, I've been running or hiking for almost... 24 full hours with small breaks in between, but almost nonstop. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of shit. (laughs) So what do I do? I go to bed just like a lot of people did, but I said I was going to go through the night. So I, I'm like, I'm just going to lay down for an hour. And if I stay at this pace, I can still get it done. I just got to stay at the pace and I'm going to, I'm going to sleep for an hour just to, um, restore some of my energy. Well, I know that when I stop, it's like really hard to rev my engine again. So I lay down and now my body is reacting and my body, I'm getting, um, a headache. I'm getting a mild fever. I feel nauseous. So my body is trying to like emotionally or self-regulate itself. So it's doing all the things that it was designed to do to regulate itself. So my brain tells me, danger, 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 you're going to get sick. Well, guess what one of my biggest fears is, is getting sick. I am so aware of my life symptoms or my life symptoms, my body symptoms, that when my body experiences pain or fatigue, like something that is abnormal, I pay attention to it now because I neglected those symptoms for so long and that ended me with the diagnosis. And so now when my body tells me these things, I listen. I'm also very mindful of cyclical living. So the female cycle. And I'm like, I know what my body is doing. So here's where I had to dig really, really deep. I'm uncomfortable. I'm being pushed to my edge. And now my body is using its primal instincts to keep me going. So I'm headed into a survival state. But I'm not dead yet. I'm thriving. I'm strong. I am capable. So this is where I had to abandon my beliefs about balancing the masculine and the feminine and being mindful of what my body can handle. 
and symptoms. I knew that I was only not going to be paying attention to these symptoms for 36 hours, not 36 years of my life. And then I would do whatever I needed to do to watch my body recover after the fact. But it was such a struggle to know what I know about my body and to on purpose not listen to it. And I did what I needed to do. I was like, okay, you're nauseous. What can you do for nausea? Okay, you have a headache. Maybe you're dehydrated. And I went and I talked to a coach. But before I talked to a coach, this is what I want you to hear from today's episode. I laid down. And before this, I called my husband, by the way, when I was on my eighth round. I think I was by myself. I wasn't with that guy while I was talking to my husband. And I started crying. And I remember this specifically. And I remember calling him and saying, why can't I just be normal? Why do I need to challenge myself to become the best version of me? Why can't I just be normal like most people? Get a job that you hate, live a mediocre life, complain about it, eat away my feelings, drink away my feelings. Why do I need to be better? Why can't I just be normal? And in that moment, although I was having a pity party for myself, I realized something. I didn't want to be normal. Although I was purposely putting myself in an emotionally uncomfortable situation to purposely grow and test my limits, it broke me. And it only broke me in that moment because I realized there was a part of me that I didn't accept. I've often said, I wish I just, you know, taught people how to make smoothies and you know, put these five ingredients in a blender and hit blend. I don't. I teach deep shit. And I'm not here for everybody. I'm here for probably a very select few who are willing to do this emotionally uncomfortable work so that they can thrive and feel alive. I'm not here for everybody. But in that moment, I think I faced a part of myself that didn't want to accept who I am. And the person I am is somebody who's willing to be challenged. And I think part of me didn't accept that because that's not who I was as a teenager. And that's not who I was as a child. I did not come out of the womb wanting to challenge myself. I was never put in those situations by adults. I was never forced to be challenged like that. I wasn't an athlete growing up. I didn't, when things got hard, I gave up. And it wasn't until I became a mother where I had to face my shit all the time. And so now I do it for fun and it's very annoying. So in that moment, although I wanted to give up, I wanted to break or I did break and I was crying to my husband. I realized that the only reason why I was incredibly frustrated was because I didn't accept that part of myself. People see it all the time. They're like, you don't give up. You're persevering. You're stubborn. Um, and I know this, but I think after accepting that part of myself, I run towards the challenge now instead of adding drama around it, instead of being a victim to it. So if something is challenging for me, I run towards it and I face it instead of avoiding it. So I go to bed. 
and I'm lying there and Lisa is not in the tent because it's almost 5 a.m. and she has now started, she got up again to run. So let's say I think she slept around one to four. I don't know her exact time, but let's say that was it. So I got in bed around five. So nobody else was in the tent. So I'm like, great, this is great. I can sleep. And my husband is texting me at this time and he's like, you have an hour to sleep. That's it. Put a timer on. And I have a friend, Tina, who you're going to hear towards the end of uh, today's episode as well. And I talked to her about what she learned at 29029. And she said to me as well, she was texting me and she's like, hey, you only have an hour. Get up, blah, blah, blah. And at this point, I'm looking at my text messages and I'm like, I'm out. Like, I'm out. I don't care. An hour passes and I'm like sleeping, not sleeping. I'm like, I'm just going to get up when I feel restored. Well, FYI, everybody, I'm going to feel restored after the event is complete because (laughs) there's no way an hour of sleep or two hours or four hours are even going to help me. Essentially, I'm just taking a little cat nap and I got to get up and go again. So what did I do? I remember this is so funny. My husband texted me. He's like, Hey, are you up? And I'm like, no, I'm still laying down. I'm tired. I have a fever, blah, blah, blah. And he wrote, Heather Chauvin doesn't quit. Okay. This is what he wrote. Such a supportive man, by the way. I mean, that's, that's a whole other podcast episode. And I remember looking at the text message and going, yeah, she does. And I put my phone down. I did not give two shits. I was out. And then my friend Tina texted me too. She's like, you got to get up. You got to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I'm out. Like I was, I was out. I was done at that point. Remember I did eight out of 13. So I was mentally proud of myself. So then Miss Lisa comes around. And for those of you who are in business and have a team or have a friend or somebody in your life, that's the rally person, you're going to get this and you're going to understand how supportive this is. And I know that I'm typically this person for a lot of people. And I was this person for Tina when she was doing hers. But in my weakest moments, I didn't have the energy and my inner Heather Chauvin was not coming out for me. Lisa says, where are you? I'm eating breakfast. So she just did a hike on the hill coming down to do breakfast. And I said, I have a fever. I'm in bed. She doesn't even reply. I think she said, get your clothes on and go talk to a coach. I was like, in my head, I can't. Like, Everyone, you need to hear me when I say this. At that point, I've already opted out. I made my decision that I wasn't going to continue. Okay? Like, you know, when you make a decision and you're like, you've told yourself a story, you don't like a person, something's not going to work for you. I can even tell it with my clients or my kids. I'm like, you've already mentally made your decision you're not going to see results because you've been telling yourself this story. You're a lost cause. Like the only thing you have to do is to buy back in mentally. You can see results. But if you have already written me off or you've written yourself off or you've written the results that you want off, you then are persecuting yourself or you're persecuting the other person. You're projecting the story as to why something isn't going to work for you. Or why you're not going to achieve a goal. So my persecutor, my inner persecutor was, or it's more of like an inner victim, but I, uh, inside of me, 
I accepted and made a decision that I was not going to continue and that I ran the best race that I possibly could, but I was now done because I'm tired. But be mindful, we're now around 6, 7 a.m. We still have till 6 p.m. on Saturday. So almost 12 hours left of this race. And I mentally opted out. Lisa comes into the tent. She looks at me. And I will love her for every day of my life for this. And she said, get your clothes on. Go talk to a coach. Get back on that mountain. And I looked at her and I said, okay. I didn't want to. And I remember the moment so clearly where I had to get my brain back on board and I had to face my fear. I was like, I can't do this. And in my brain, I was like, but you don't have to do it. You just have to get your clothes on and you just have to go talk to a coach. And I did that. I was like, the next right step is just to get your clothes on and just go talk to a coach. And that's what I did. And then when I talked to a coach and the coach assessed me and said, go do this, go eat this, go whatever, but you're good to go get back on that mountain. So I ate, I did what I needed to do. And then I did the next right thing, which was to get back on that mountain. So now I was at round nine. And it's funny because I remember when Lisa was like, get back up. Like she's somebody that I really respect, but I was reflecting on this. And I thought, I know I'm resilient and I know I'm the face of my brand, but I really would not be who I am today without her. Lisa came into my life um, about a month or two before I was diagnosed with cancer and I was just starting my business. I was still in the startup phase. And I had a mentor that told me to hire Lisa and she scared the shit out of me because, you know, I had to pay her fee and it was scary. And I remember when I, I emailed her and I said, I have cancer. And she said, no problem. And she really just did it all for me. And she's always shown up for me since then. And, you know, the healthier I got, of course, my brain gets in the way sometimes as all of our brains do, but it was a really, really good reminder to trust people and allow yourself to feel supported. And I know that is really difficult for women, especially ambitious women. Um, and I know all women in general and humans in general, but like the surrender to feel supported to say like, I know for certain that I would not have completed 10 rounds if Lisa wasn't there. Like a hundred percent certainty. I also know that I probably wouldn't have gotten through seven and eight without my husband because I called him and I would tell him stories. And I'm like, I just need to talk to you. I'm so bored, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to talk to these people on the Hill because I just wanted to like talk to somebody. I didn't want to like have to get to know somebody on the Hill. Although I did that too. Um, and it, it was just a reminder that you are worthy of support. You are worthy of feeling supported and hiring support and, and challenging your people to support you and to stop accepting subpar fucking help. There were a lot of people that I was not going to call on that hill. And, you know, there's those go, 
two people is ride or dies. But like, those are the relationships that we should be fostering, not the people that we have to pull up the mountain with us that are dead weight. Like the people that were like, oh my God, like I'm pulling you up this mountain. And I think for so many women that I work with, this is a huge challenge. It's whether we're pulling our children up the mountain, our partners, um, you're hiring support, but you're not even saying, hey, this isn't the right support that I need. I need you to do X or how can we figure this out together? We're just sitting in silence and our anger and resentment and we're not speaking our truth. And it's also multiple conversations we need to have. It's not a one and done. So when I say investing in relationships, I mean long-term investment. So I got back up. I did eight. I did nine. Or sorry, I did nine and I did 10. And after 10, I, I definitely probably could have squeaked at 11. But 10 was like an even number for me. And 10 was actually a pretty fun round, but they were getting longer and longer. And I was so tired. And I just remember thinking, well, damn, I barely looked at the training modules and I got 10 done. And if I got 11 done, I could make it to 13. But here's the thing. And it's going to make me cry. Remember at the beginning of this episode, I told you that I was going to get a red hat. And that I assumed I was going to be like really disappointed in myself if I didn't get a red hat. I was actually afraid of disappointing myself. I was like, oh my gosh. Because I I posted on Instagram. I was like, look at that red hat. I'm going to get this red hat. And I wasn't in it for the red hat. I was just very open to the journey. When I said I'm done at 10, I was proud. I was really proud of myself. And I thought for sure disappointment was going to be there. And in hindsight, if I, if I, you know, I'm like, of course, if I had to, I could have figured it out. But look what I did in 36 hours. And I was really proud of myself. And I think the part that makes me emotional about that is that's when I know my identity has changed because for so long, nothing ever felt good enough. I was always moving the goalpost. You know, we would go after something, I would achieve it. And I thought, yeah, but I could have did better. Although this time I'm like, yeah, I could have did better, but look what I did. And I don't know why, Or what has shifted inside of me. But being able to say. I'm proud. That's a deep, deep wound. That I know I've healed. And when I look back on. How I think I've changed that. Um. It's everything that I teach inside of our mastery program and our mastery business program, whether it's a personal, uh, someone personally coming in to our program and really focusing on parenting because they want to feel proud in their parenting or they want to feel proud in their work-life balance or they want to feel proud in uh, their relationships Uh, And they want the accountability to do so and the habits and knowing who they need to become in order to have those emotional intelligence skills. 
or it's the woman in business. And the woman in business who wants to attract the profit that she desires to scale sustainably to like know when to hire a team, know how to train her team, know how to position her offers and just feel alive and aligned. And I thought, damn, I'm doing the work and something inside of me has shifted because I keep facing my mountain. I am no longer the type of person that runs away from an emotionally uncomfortable situation. If I have a problem or a challenge in my life, I am the type of person that will put one foot in front of the other until that problem is solved. Until I've achieved an outcome that does not come from a place of fixing or does not come from a place of avoidance. But if there's an area in my life that I'm not satisfied with, I will climb that mountain for as long as I need to. I'll take breaks, but I'll climb that mountain for as long as I need to in order to get an outcome I'm proud of. Are you a six or seven figure business owner looking to up your profit game? I define profit as time, energy, and money. The time flexibility to work your schedule around your work, your personal and your professional life flowing in a sustainable way. The energy freedom, the mental, physical, and emotional freedom to live in alignment with how you want to feel. And of course, the financial freedom, not only just to grow a profitable business and also grow your wealth, but also have the ability to hire quality team members that you feel supported by and treat them well, giving back to your community and charities that matter most to you, while also making sure that your family is well taken care of, not to mention reinvesting in yourself so that you can perform at an optimal level. Well, guess what? We are now accepting applications for our next cohort of the Emotionally Uncomfortable Attracting Profit Sales Accelerator. So head on over to Heather Chauvin, that's spelled C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash business and get on the interest list. Inside, you'll learn how to attract qualified leads every week and sales every day while getting the one-on-one support knowing how to lead a high-performing team, and doing all of this, only adding an extra 60 minutes a day to your already full plate. And to counter that, I also want to teach you how to buy back your time and energy so that you can have more of that. You will be implementing the leadership mindset of doing less better. And this is how I will teach you to reverse engineer how you want to feel, not just in your business, but in your mind, your body, your soul, and your relationships as well with your kids and your partner and those that matter most to you. I personally review each application to make sure that your vision and attitude are aligned with the courageous action takers that join my community. Once accepted, you will also be gifted a one-on-one profit session with me. If you are interested, head on over to Heather chauvin.com forward slash business and join our interest list so we can send you the application.
as we are actively reading and accepting ladies in the next cohort. That's Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash business. Hello, Tina. Hi, Heather. (laughs) So I texted you and I was like, do you have 30 minutes? I want to like, I just want to talk to you about your experience with 29029. And they would have heard like a pre and a post. My dog's probably going to bark or growl. Anywho, so they already know what 29029 is. I talked about it. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk to you about your experience. Like it's been a few weeks now for you. How long has it been? 14 days, two weekends. Okay. And your brain has already forgot about the pain? I want to do it again. I'm ready. (laughs) Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. I remember just wanting to give up so bad. And like, I'm absolutely done. But now two weeks later, I'm like, "Eh, I don't think it was that bad. I could do it again. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm people like, you're going to do it again. I'm like, probably. And I don't know why I understand why endurance races um, are addictive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I really think the only reason I want to do it again is to get the red hat. Um, I think after I get the red hat, I'll probably be good and not want to do it again. But also this is different in a marathon that I don't think is as hard on your body as if you were running straight for 40 something kilometers. This is essentially walking. It's still hard, but it's not as hard as running for a hundred miles. I don't think. Uh, yeah, but you have to remember we're going uphill. Yeah. You can't forget about the uphill part. My distortion is warped. Yes. Okay. So regardless of what it does to your body, let's talk about what it did to your mind. So talk a little bit about your experience, like throughout the journey of start to end. Yeah. So uh, it's 13 ascents, right? And I, on my seventh one, which was probably around midnight by the time I got to my seventh, I climbed two thirds of the way up. And then I was at the last aid station before the top and I was so tired. I sat down. Um, I remember as I was hiking up to the aid station, I would pause, breathe, close my eyes and feel like I could just instantly fall asleep standing. I was exhausted. Um, so when I got to the aid station, I sat down and I was trying to recuperate. I was trying to hype myself up, trying to gather the energy. And at this point it was really cold and I was still wearing shorts and just a sweater. And so my temperature was changing and the cold air was starting to get to me. And I was just like, I cannot go on. And the, the second, the first stretch after the aid station, that one was the hardest stretch. It was slippery. It was the steepest and it was pitch black outside with my headlamp. And I was like, there is no way that I can do this right now and do it safely and like not come out unharmed. So I just kept sitting there and then the security guard offered me a ride down and I had to forfeit that progress that I made. And I was just, I had already given up in my head at that point. So I was just like, okay, just give me the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I went down, I wasted time, I saw medics and stuff, and then I napped and I didn't even set an alarm because I was so defeated at that point. I was like, this is done. I'm done. I'm over it. (laughs) 
Um, but I ended up waking up at 4.30, which gave me, I think, 12 hours to do the last seven I had to do, which was way faster than I was doing them the first day. But I was like, it's possible because I knew in my head that the fastest people have done in ascent was 45 minutes. Although my time was closer to two and a half hours, but like I, it was possible. So I was like, I'm just going to get out there and keep walking. Um, I saw a friend that gave me a pep talk and he's like, you can do it. Like everyone's cheering you on on Saturday. Everyone's out there and they're all doing it. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out there and keep going. And then, I think it was around 2 p.m. that I was done my 10th and I messaged you and I'm like, I'm done. I'm <laughs> There's four hours left. I need three to go. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like that was when it settled in in my head. Like I for sure cannot do this anymore. And then you called me. I remember sitting at the base of the mountain because there's those patio chairs out there. I was sitting on the chair and I'm just looking at it and I'm texting you and you're like, get on the mountain. And I'm like... <laughs> I really don't want to. (laughs) And I think you just told me, like, text me when you're up there. Mm -hmm. I was like, and I was sitting there contemplating with myself for like five, 10 minutes. And you're, I think you told me, I, I don't know if you told me this or if I told myself this, but like, I didn't go all the way there just to not try not to give it my everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so four hours left was a long time. Um, so I was like, even if it's super slow, I'll just do one more. Yeah. And then I went up and I finished my 11th and I did 11 out of 13. I I was in the States. We were about to go into a restaurant and I was with a friend and I was like, one moment, I need <laughs> to call Tina. I'm like, I didn't know if you were going to answer. I was like, get on that mountain. Like I was yelling at you. And then, um, yeah. And then when the role was reversed, I apologized to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, um, Saturday morning when I had about like eight hours left, you're like, you can do it. You just need to go 20% faster. And I ignored that message. I'm like, there's absolutely no way that I'm going 20% faster. I just didn't respond to you. <laughs> I did that too. People are texting me. I think I ignored your messages. You're like, you got this. Even I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, you said something though that was interesting because you said Saturday was easier for you. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the opposite. Like Friday was so easy. I got through like eight ish. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is, it was when I went to bed, like when I, to get back up, like that was so hard. And then my body just, kept prolonging prolonging my last ascent was three hours and then I'm like okay mentally I knew that I wasn't gonna get it um I could have squeaked one more out I believe and I just gave up on the sense of like I I was contemplating I'm still very proud of myself like I thought for sure disappointment and shame and guilt would have set in the interesting part was that when I was like, I'm done, I was quite, I was battling with the story of like, why do you need to kill yourself? Who are you trying to prove this to? Like, there was that like, really, they're like, empty the tank. And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm yeah. good. But yeah, do I have regrets of not doing that last one? I really, my first response is no. I don't know if I'm trying to protect that. Mm-hmm. Um 
but I do want to do it again next year and not for the hat, but for the, I want to get my body to a position where it can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other the big stamina because for me, um, the whole journey was about the training and mm-hmm. the day of was just the cherry on top because I, I loved everything about the training. I loved who I had to become in order to finish this event. And I, I was sleeping earlier. I was eating better. I, my priorities were all, um, like I made my priorities all the ones that had to be put in place in order to do what I had to do. And like, that's the type of person that I want to be. So, um, to do this event again next year is just going to reinforce all of that and force me to train and become the person who I want to be even more. So that is the, that is a big part of why I want to do the event. But also I think, like you said, like I was so sure that I was going to get the red hat. I was positive. Um, and so I think I just want to get that for myself, but yeah. I'm not even really that disappointed that I did it because the lessons that came from it are probably so much greater just because I didn't achieve what I wanted. Did you ever question your sanity? Yeah. I I think after the fourth ascent, I was like, why am I doing this? This sucks. <laughs> um, I'm like, why did I put myself into this? And then I started, my friends were messaging me and checking in on me. And they're like, why did you pay thousands of dollars to do this to yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. Why, those why are not like friends. <laughs> you do not have those people texting you while you're doing that. Well, like, like, they were, they were encouraging, but like, because that's a lot of money. So they were just confused as to why I would spend that much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kept looking around at the other people thinking like when I would really question my sanity, uh, like I called Brian multiple times crying and seeing like, why can't I, why do I have to be, uh, why can't I be normal? Mm -hmm. And I kept looking around. I'm like, I, did I join a cult? Like, it's just, it's funny. Cause you're like, Oh my God, I want to do, I want to give up. And these people opted in too. Like there's 300 of us, like, yes, an amazing sense of community and connection and collaboration. But at the same time, I kept questioning, like, did we join a cult? Like, it's just so funny when you think of why like because there's a, i'm sure there's other things in the world where you know you look at someone and be like i don't know what your dna makeup is but like i have no interest in doing that mm-hmm. um and i used to be the type of person that would have judged the version of myself that i am today what about you yeah same i mean after doing this event i'm kind of thinking in my head like oh i see why people would want to run 100 miles Whereas just even last year, I would have been like, hell no, I would never, ever consider that. But now after having experienced this, it's like, I I get it. I get why. How do you think it translates into work relationships like outside of of that, of the event? Um, I think it just kind of reinforces the idea that sometimes we give up way too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when something is really important to you, like our dreams and the businesses that we want to build or like the impact we want to have on the world, it feels really hard and it sucks most of the time. 
But um, if that is your vision and that's your goal, mm-hmm. and if it's important to you, if you just keep going, especially because you forget how shitty the shitty part is, you only remember how shitty it is because you're going through it. But as soon as you get past it, even a little bit, it, it wasn't that bad. So um, it kind of reinforces the idea of perseverance and just push through it because the the shitty times don't last forever, but the impact and the messages that you can share and your um, voice that you want to put out there, that's all worth putting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Colin O'Brady, that's his name, correct? I believe so. I've heard of him previously um, and now I've mildly stalking him on the internet and he is a beast. He doesn't look like one in person, but he is, were any of them there? I had Mark and Colin there for my, okay. um, so yeah, he just, he, he's a beast. It's like, don't judge a book by its cover. But anyways, he was, I'm sure he said the same speech about the highs and the lows. Like mm-hmm. don't judge something about like the ones, whatever it was like one or 10, right? The extremes, like the high highs and the low lows. He's like, you do not appreciate the highs unless you have gone to the depth of your low. And I think you and I have both experienced a lot of extremes, right? And a lot of people try to avoid discomfort. They try to avoid the pain. And then we live a mediocre life. We numb ourselves. We're like, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. And it's this low burn, right? This low level pain. Then you purposely put yourself in these emotionally uncomfortable situations. And you're like, why would I do this? Like, logically, you're like, this makes no sense. But then you go out into the world and you're like, I can feel the joy. Like, I know the depth of going into the pain cave. I, when you get that moment, you can actually feel it. It's like your heart can open bigger. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but it's the practice of purposely putting myself into uncomfortable situations and then getting through them and then teaching myself that I can survive this. And, you know, the, I'm choosing this difficulty of climbing up a huge mountain so that when I run into another difficulty, maybe in business, I can have that experience of like, I've done really hard things and this thing isn't really that hard compared to that. So if I can do that, then I can do this. And it's like just Mm -hmm. building up that all the evidence of all the hard things that I can do and making me more confident in myself and my abilities. Yeah. I, I find it interesting to like get people to buy in. Cause I say this a lot about retreats. Um, it's a different type of being uncomfortable or hard, like emotionally uncomfortable. Cause some people will do endurance races like this, but they're like, you tell me to sit in circle time or feel my feelings. Like I don't want to do that. So it's a different type of emotional discomfort, but when they're like, but yes, how is that going to solve my problem that I have? And I'm like, because you are experiencing something like it's the physical experience you're putting yourself through. It just, it, the clouds literally part. And then you get to feel that in your, in your everyday life. So sometimes I have to buy in. I'm like, what's my vision? What am I working through? What am I working on? It may be something personally or professionally. And I'm thinking about this the whole time as I'm like going up that ascent or like I can feel the really like resistance coming in. I'm like, okay, where do you see that? 
in your everyday life. And sometimes you're literally just sitting at your computer and you have a to-do list and it's so overwhelming that that is your mountain that you have to climb. Like you're physically like, I'm not getting up until this is done or the opposite. Like sometimes people are addicted to the to-do list and it's like, I have to walk away from the to-do list and that is my mountain to climb. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating. I had a moment yet last night actually with one of my kids where I could watch him struggling. And I thought, I I just put myself in there. I'm like, where is he on his mountain? He's like, I want to give up. I don't want to do this. And the old me would have wanted to come in and rescue him. Or, and when I say old me, I don't mean like last week. I mean, like years and years ago would have wanted to come in and rescue his pain and his discomfort where now I'm like, I know exactly how you feel. And the only way out is through, and you are capable of this showing up as a coach in other people's lives and really cheering them on is so different than, than what a lot of women do, which is codependency and rescuing and all of that. So I'm curious if you think this experience will change any of your relationship dynamics as well. I think so. And, and like what you said, but also like, because I've kind of experienced my own journey and like, nobody could have really helped me through it. It was something that I had to do on my own. So it kind of just reinforces the idea that I can't rescue anybody and I can coach them and I can ask them questions and maybe make them think, but everyone's got their own journey and I'm not responsible for it. I might have the best intentions, but I can't make anybody do anything. So um, I think that's going to be helpful for my clients, but also more helpful for me because like, I, then I'm not expending energy all the time trying to save everyone because it just it won't go anywhere. Yeah, I think that's the double-edged sword of being whatever we want to call ourselves, but people who want to really make an impact in the world, the shadow of that is the overgiver. And we think it is so selfish, but we think we are like really making an impact, but I'm like, we're not, we're taking away from that other people's human experience. And, um, you know, you've heard me say this many, many times, but I'm like, you cannot buy your perseverance. Like you can invest in the most expensive coach program experience you could have went to that mountain and been like, I did one lap. I'm good. And that's it. And it's no one else is going to make you get back on. Even if they drag you up and they're like, you're good to go. You still have to go through it. So I think that's one thing we can't buy is our determination to achieve what we desire. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I continue to do such uncomfortable things because I feel like I just need to remind myself of that over and over because once you get too comfortable, you kind of forget. Mm -hmm. Was there anyone there that you met that like blew your mind? Um, so I didn't actually talk to that many people because I was struggling very, very hard to breathe. (laughs) But, um, my one friend I met, Amanda, um, she did the whole thing in her noble shoes and they're kind of like converse. If nobody knows what they're, they look like, they're like converse. So they don't have any grip or anything in the bottom and just seeing her do it. Cause she was doing it really fast too. It like gave me permission to switch into my running shoes because I was wearing these big, heavy boots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just like, like you doing your own thing 
allows people to do their own thing. Like she didn't have, she didn't talk to me at all during the hike, but I saw her working out or climbing in her nobles. And I was sitting there struggling with my boots and they were rubbing my ankles and like killing my feet and they were heavy. And I was like, okay, if she can do it in those shoes then I can do it in my running shoes. And I think that's, um, and that's a part of, I guess, why I share my journey. Cause I'm like, I don't know who's watching, but like probably nobody's watching, but I'm just going to keep talking about it because I wish that I saw other people talking about it when I was growing up. So, mm. I mean, she didn't blow my mind, but she definitely had an impact and she had no idea. I think that's really important. Like such an important message that people are watching when you don't think they are. Um, I remember you telling me that in advance and I, definitely was not trying to be a hero and like learn and meet all these people. Um, I actually got very quiet and I kept telling people just to let you know, like I'm a really good listener. Um, and I'm just like, this is not really who I am, but, um, yeah, I got really quiet and I was like, I don't need to be anyone's friend here. So <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Where there's, you know, some people were connecting and I was like, Oh yeah, this could have been a great connection, but I don't want to extend that energy. I got to preserve it. Yeah. I could not focus on anything else except breathing as Mm -hmm. I was hiking up the mountain because I was so out of breath the whole time. There was this man, there was a few people that I met, but there was this huge burly man and his name was sweet pea. That's what it said on his thing. And I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Um, And he was telling me that Sweet Pea was what he called his daughter who uh, passed from a drug overdose. And I, as soon as he told me that, I was like, Heather, do not shrink. Do not get awkward and be like, I don't know what to say to him. The fact that this is what is on his bib indicates that he wants to talk about it. And so I said, I'm here if you want to tell me more. And I just walked with him for about 20 minutes and I kept asking about her. And then he started talking about his grandson. And I was at, sometimes I just didn't know what to say. And I was like, just keep asking questions. And then I was like, I'm so grateful that you talked about your daughter and I'm going to think about her for the next until, you know, this, the rest of the descent and, or ascent. And Uh, I saw him again at the end and he like circled back and I could just see a huge smile on his face with all the connections he met. And there was um, in the recovery room, there was one of the massage therapists who was working on me and he walked by and the massage therapist said something about go get that last one for sweet pea. And I was like, it makes me so emotional because I was like, everyone knows this man's daughter now. And Mm -hmm. this is really just about story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and legacy. Mm -hmm. There were a ton of stories on that mountain. And I do wish that I had the capacity to talk to people more. Maybe next time. Yeah. I could see Tina just with a microphone on, on the hill. That would be a really cool podcast. I actually thought about turning my voice memos on. I did a video at the end of each lap. I tried to after eight, I, I was in my pain cave, but I thought about doing a voice memo, talking to myself or talking to other people. That would be really cool, actually. Yeah, there was one person on my mountain doing the hike with us. Uh, they called him Cowbell Rub. And, I've heard of um, him. He's done yeah. like a million marathons. He was a volunteer at yours, I think. 
Oh my God. Was that Cowbell Rob? He was probably in like an American. Yes. Yeah. That was Cowbell Rob. So I guess he volunteers at all or many of their events, but he's never actually climbed the mountain and somebody donated, um, the cost for him to climb the mountain at SB one where I was at. And he was so happy because it wasn't like his chance to climb the mountain. It was his chance to be of service to others while he was climbing the mountain. So I think he lives nearby. He trained for months. He lost 40 pounds, got really fit to climb the mountain. And um, I'd never talked to him because I couldn't, but um, he, they, the other volunteers told me that he never stopped climbing the mountain. He had already reached 29,000 feet, but he still continued to do laps because he was walking with other people and walking them up their mountain. So there's a cowboy someone, this is not him, who has like done a marathon a day, like is some type of endurance person. I'm sure you can find it online. So that's who I, I remember this gentleman. I did approach him at the end because I said, you were such a saving grace. And he specifically was yeah he just his eyes lit up when i was like thank you and he's like this is exactly why i do it but he was so strategic with where he was on that mountain he said because he was right at aid station one right before and he would come down the mountain with the cowbells and he said i I go to the exact place where you can no longer hear colleen's voice because colleen kind of carries you Mm -hmm. up the mountain yeah And then he starts with the cowbells as close as he can get to know, like, come on. And I was like, wow, what intention? Yeah, because it really is a saving grace. Once you hear that cowbell, you're like, oh, I'm almost there. I wonder if it's going to be if I'm going to have like post-traumatic stress with cowbells and be like, oh, God, there's a cowbell. Or I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming. (laughs) Oh, why do we do this to ourselves, Tina? (laughs) Uh, there's always something like some type of adventure i'll be like you want to do this you want to do this i love adventures (laughs) i know i think you know which friends to call or text um okay i'm curious so i get that there's always this emotional reaction with people you have the ones that are like why would you do that but have you seen re-entry people who like you can tell they respect you more just by what you accomplished. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen too many people since then, but I can tell that my close friends are really, they're really proud of me for doing it because I mean, I've been on this huge growth journey since we've been working together, I think two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm a completely different person. I don't know if I would have done this two years ago. And I've had personal stuff happen also within the last two weeks since the event. And it's just like everything's coming together and I'm standing up for myself more. I'm proud of who I'm becoming. I'm proud of the things that I've done. Um, and my good friends see that in me and they're all proud of me too. So I think it's all coming together. <laughs> I will tell you many times, I was like, if Tina can do it, I can do it. If Tina can do it, I can do it. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was fast. That's the thing. Like, I don't feel remarkable or anything. I don't feel like I've changed having done this event. Um, People tell me it's impressive and I'm like, okay. But like, I know the struggle. I know how hard it was. I don't think it was impressive at all. I just like put one foot after the other. And I guess that's 
helpful for me to know and see because everyone that I'm impressed by, I can be like, well, they probably don't feel that impressive either. They're just doing one foot after the other. Mm -hmm. And knowing that just makes it easier for me to go after my dreams because everyone's kind of struggling and figuring it out as they go. And you just do one step at a time. Yeah. I, I, I feel like when you've actually been in a situation like that, you get it. And then it gives you more courage. Um, it's also fascinating to watch other people who haven't done it, uh, endurance races. Just, I have, I have a neighbor like that and he, he gave me a hug, which he would never do that. And he was like, I'm impressed. And I'm like, wow. Like I could instantly, I could tell that there was this respect. And then other people who would never do anything like that, like you're remarkable. Just, you know, like you said, and I'm like, what you see in me is available in you. You just need to have the courage to sign up. Like that is it. And then people who were like, you're, I had a few family members. They're like, you're fucking crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but you've always thought I was crazy, which is totally fine. But like, you're so far removed from my crazy. That is why it feels so unnatural for you to even go there. But if you can just have curiosity of like, well, if she can do that, I can do that. So yeah, I always sign up for shit, disassociate, and then get there and go, oh no, what did I do? Like I completely disassociate. It's just, I think it's a coping strategy. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Um, like when the opportunity presents itself, just say yes and then figure it out until you get there. Mm-hmm. And I knew that like the type of person I wanted to be wakes up early, uh, trains every day, eats healthy doesn't really need to drink alcohol and stuff like that. And that's ultra endurance. And so I said yes to the opportunity. Um, and I signed up and I made myself the person that I needed to be in order to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I know this round, I really wanted to become, well, you've, you've tried to do cardio with me a few times. I don't do well with cardio and I wanted to become the type of person that goes to the gym consistently and, and fuels myself. And I accomplished that, but I can definitely see where the room for improvement needs to happen so that I can do both sustainably. And the goal is not in 30 days from now. The goal is literally like 12 months from now. So it's, I think we're both in it for the long game, but it it is that, yeah, it's mm-hmm. the blessing and the curse. But if we're not trying to be better, we're just slowly backsliding constantly. Yeah. And that is probably even more uncomfortable than the discomfort that we purposely put ourselves through. Yeah. So Tina, where can, I know you have a podcast, you've talked about your journey and you're talking about all the other things. So where can people find you? My Instagram, I'm on Instagram the most. It's Tina's underscore arena underscore. But if that's too complicated, then my website is Tina's arena.com. Perfect. And your podcast is called Tina's Arena. Tina's Arena. Yeah. I just chose it because it rhymes, but I also love that the man in the arena quote and I think it fits. Yeah. All right. See you on the next mountain. Okay. See you. Thank you. So why climb a mountain 13 times to 29029 feet, collective feet? Because it's not about the mountain. 
And it's not about the red hat. It's about who you become along the way. That's it. Are you willing to become the type of person that faces the mountains? Or are you going to continue to be the person that waits for life to give you a mountain the longer you avoid it? Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you who have been listening to this going, oh my gosh, I want to know more. It's called 29029 Everestine. You can check it out online. I have no affiliation with them. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say is this is the exact type of work that I do with my women in my programs. And so this fall, we are opening our doors for the next cohort. We have two programs. One is called Mastery. And this is where we reverse engineer how you want to feel in all areas of your life. So you can feel alive and aligned from the inside out. So you can gain the confidence to know how to manage your energy, not your time. We've mastered it down to a science. It takes 20 minutes a day to implement. Um, and this directly affects your work, your relationships, your health. And if you are also, so you can head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash uh, mastery and get on the wait list for that. And we can fill, uh, send you an application if you're interested. And then business, we're opening the next cohort for our 90-day business accelerator. So this is Attracting Profit Accelerator. This is for six and seven-figure business owners. Um, this is not for people in startup. So if you're interested in that, head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash business. This is about helping you reverse engineer how you want to feel in your business. Um, I personally do um, a session with you to get clear on your profit plan and your profit strategy so you know exactly where to focus your energy and attention to get the results that you want in your specific business. So that may be you need a marketing um, plan. It might be sales skills. It may be confidence leading a team, knowing who to um, hire next. Um you know, all the things, money management, there's a lot that goes into business and sometimes it can feel incredibly overwhelming. So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash business. Um, you can get on the wait list for that. And if you want to fill out the application, you can, and I will personally read it, um, review it and let you know your next steps if you qualify. Remember, we all have mountains to climb and that is part of the human experience. And you can feel really fucking proud of yourself once you've climbed them. And you can also feel really, really good along your way. So I hope you're challenging yourself today because it's not all rainbows and kitty cats. Do something that scares the shit out of you. Love you. Bye. I sometimes joke that I wish I taught people how to make green smoothies for a living, but I know I'm doing that because I'm trying to run away from what brings me joy. And what brings me joy is helping women and men, families in general, and children feel alive. And sometimes that journey to feeling alive is painful. 
it's emotionally uncomfortable, and it's not always easy. This is why I created the Aligned Life Quiz. So if you're tired of being tired, you want to stop just surviving, and you want to find out exactly where to focus and access realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions, and impact, you can head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash life quiz. It takes you two minutes and it's going to show you. I call them internal leadership skills. Where do you need to focus your energy and attention for the quickest results? And also, which phase are you living in? So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash life quiz to take the aligned life quiz right now. If you're ready to stop just surviving and you want to start thriving, but you don't know how to manage it all, go there. It will take you two minutes and it will change your life. I also on the inside show you which podcast episodes to listen to based on your quiz results. HeatherChauvin.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E quiz. 